Starting something is not easy and you're not going to succeed out of the gates. It went from a thousand square foot single family rental to a 10 unit. Kevin Falk and Jeff Darris went from investing just $1,000 each into their business to now owning over $20 million of real estate properties in just two years. This is the story of how they did it. We've acquired five properties. We've stabilized three of them. While we started with not that much in, we kept rolling in 100% funds. So we're 100% leased with zero delinquency and we've beaten all of our construction timelines by over 50%. So it was my understanding that you guys each threw in $1,000 into your business when you were starting out. Um, and you've been able to turn that into a $20 million real estate portfolio in less than two years. So my first question is, how did you get into real estate in that at the beginning? Can you guys share that story? Yeah, we've always known. Uh, I think it's a, a really good statement is your your network is your net worth. And so along our, our careers, we've always been networking here locally with lots of uh, brokers, mentors, and just guys that know what they're doing in the space. And so part of that two grand, we went to uh, a couple local syndicators that really knew what they were doing and bought them a expensive uh, box of wine so that we could uh, really talk shop and, and get some of their best, best practices and and just kind of their playbook on what they've done. And so we got that and we uh, we ran with it from there. We we had the, the old school way of, we didn't have an office at the time, we do now in Bellevue, but um, we, we were on a whiteboard in Jeff's, uh, Jeff's loft and was going from there looking at deals, underwriting deals. And then we got our first acquisition about three months into the business while we were kind of getting everything vertically integrated. And I tip my cap to Jeff. He's always had those really good best business practices as being an entrepreneur. So we've always been, very focused on building out the entire structure for our business as we grow. So a lot of our time has gone under that, even though during this time we've we've acquired five properties, we've stabilized three of them, and um, now we're kind of just not looking back. And that's now a $25 million, uh, or sorry, $20 million AUM uh, portfolio. And it's interesting. I think the big key there is laying that strong foundation early on. So, you know, while we started with not that much in, we kept rolling in 100% funds. So we still haven't taken a single penny out of the business. And I think that's key for anyone that's trying to start a business is it's, it's not something for yourself. You're trying to grow an entity, grow something that's turnkey. And it has to survive on a, on a very strong foundation of technological infrastructure and operations. And we've done just that. So now we're at the point where we could honestly scale. We could double in size in the next year and be just fine operationally. Yeah, Jeff, you mentioned that you come from an entrepreneurial background and that freshmeal.com, fresh that, that's really interesting. I know that obviously there are two businesses and so there are some overlap. Um, I was curious to know, how is real estate different from the other type of business that maybe is more traditionally thought of? And were there any transferable skills that you carried over into this business? Well, I think there are a lot of transferable skills, you know, focus on operations, infrastructure, best practices. You know, what we were doing was very operationally complex. Uh, at Fresh Meal, you know, there's a lot of dots to connect when you have somebody buying a meal plan and then you're sinking down through your supply chain, through your operators, the people making the meals and through delivery. Um, you know, with real estate, there's also operations. So it's tuning it all up. You know, the biggest loose skills there are, uh, you know, action over time. Um, of course, starting something is not easy and you're not going to succeed out of the gates. You're not going to get traction out of the gates. It's continuing to push forward day in and day out, building something that you know is good. Um, of course, with the foundation and operations and, you know, uh, an attention to the detail. I think in real estate, the biggest attention to detail is the underwriting. It's you have to have deals that are founded in, in great underwriting, great background, great principles. And so we've really used that as a, as a foundation to kind of move forward. Absolutely. And Kevin, I think you said you were coming from the broker side. Um, we work with brokers and I think you work with brokers now as well. 
to find these deals. I just wanted to know regarding that, were there, are there any specific tips or maybe lessons that you've learned from that unique perspective of working on that brokerage side that have really helped you in, in the investment side of things? Yeah. I mean, now kind of being on the other side is acting as a principal is, is understanding that, you know, brokers work hard and they, they make their money on commissions and keeping that relationship open is we've, we've grown out our own real estate brokerage within Nordic partners. So we can go and do our own deals, but we still actually like to pad the po pockets of the brokers because they're still bringing us off market deals. It's, it's something we get the first look at the deals before they hit the market. I mean, I know the market has drastically slowed down in the last six months. You know, I think it's probably down about 60 to 70%. So it's gone from three to five deals a day sometimes to three to five deals a week. But we're still seeing those three to five deals a week before the masses that are out there. And that's also beginning a lot of value back to our company. We're, we're partnering with JV partners and LPs as well that typically were looking for their own deals and they can't find them. So now they're using us as a catalyst to, to kind of hop in and still get into the market. So it's been just a, a, a great, the, you know, great add to our group is just how many brokers we know here locally, basically all of them um, that are sending us deals. We're going out to golf with them. We're, we're keeping those relationships open. So we're getting all these different types of looks. That is awesome. And another aspect of your origin story that I, I picked up on was that you said you invested in mentorship and you bought wine for a particular mentor who kind of gave you the, the behind the scenes in the industry. And we did that too. We invested in multiple mentors, not just in the single family space when we started, but also in the multifamily space. And I was just curious, I mean, what were the biggest takeaways or learning lessons that this investor or, or mentor taught you guys that's really helped you guys catapult your journey? Well, first off, I'll, I'll have to tip my cap to uh, Mike Christian over at Investor Capital Group. They're, uh, they're, they've also started Avenue 5 of, of their management arm. So they have like 110,000 units nationwide, um, 4,500, I believe, uh, under syndication, one of the best in the business. And, you know, the biggest thing for them is, is, is don't get ahead of your skis. You know, don't do high octane debt, do longer term money, make sure you're the conservative underwriters under promise over deliver. And we fostered that uh, mentality. And it's showing very well with kind of our return and all of our, most of our investor base at this point is all returning investors, 80 to 90% of them are local brokers because they, you know, respect our underwriting. They're talking, they know us in the space. So it's, it's just the best, you know, the, the, the business practices that they've taught us has just been, you know, profound and how we're able to now kind of grow this business and go grow it rapidly over the last 18 months. I mean, you asked us probably when we were first looking at our first deals that we'd be on our sixth acquisition here soon. I'd probably tell you, you were, you, you were smoking. Yeah. I think it's the way that they look at risk. That was really interesting to us. And, and specifically through the debt side of things, that's really what we, we took on there. Yeah. Yeah. And that obviously has served you guys well. Um, you've done multiple deals at this point. I, I did want to dive into that first multifamily deal you did together. Can you just provide the context as to, how you came about that deal and maybe what your journey was leading up to it? Sure. So we, uh, yeah, it will, it will go back to my college days. So um, this was uh, the kind of the way that Nordic got their entire, the group got kicked off was uh, I had a single family home um, as a rental for about 12 years and it came at the point of diminishing returns. It was fully paid off. I think the cash flows were like 3% total return per year. 
after you took away expenses and it was just like, we need to re redeploy this dead money. So, um, sold it, bought it for about 175 grand, sold it for 600 K took some money out of stocks, went fully all in on the first deal, bought a 10 unit in Ballard. So it went from a thousand square foot single family rental to a 10 unit in a very high, highly desirable location in Seattle was halfway through renovations and just ran it at a conservative five, five and a half cap and saw all the value that we, uh, that we've generated from there, met Jeff, uh, Duris and, and, and Michael Odegaard, one of our other partners. And we just never looked back after that. We were just like, this is a business model. Let's run with it. We already had the big thing is, you know, we were operators from the beginning. We had this vast extensive network of, uh, of construction and, and vendors to be able to do all these projects. One of which was, uh, Jeff's, uh, Jeff's girlfriend's family's, uh, family has been doing multifamily, uh, renovations for 15, 20 years. And so we've been able to partner and now we have our own Nordic construction uh, in-house. So everything we were doing is in-house. We also do our management in-house. And so from this singular deal, that's right when Jeff was coming out of the entrepreneur space, time, timing aligned, we all got together. And uh, yeah, from there, we just went and started uh, started acquiring. So we've gotten four properties since then. And uh, they're all doing extremely well. We're 100% leased with zero delinquency and we've beaten all of our... Uh, all of our construction timelines by over 50%. So we're usually getting about 12 to 24 months interest only on these loans, these five-year debt loans that we're getting. And in that interest only, we're usually 50% done half of the way through, or 100% done 50% uh, of the way through the, the IO period. So it's uh, it's just been like, I think it, the thing that Jeff said is the constant progress, the obsession that we have with this company, the the blood, blood, sweat, and tears that we're putting in nights. And, you know, that's how you start a weekend. You know, we actually both have nine to five jobs. So we haven't even been able to go a hundred percent full on Nordic yet. And to keep the lights on, we're working two jobs. So we're no life in it right now, but um, we definitely can see the light through the end of the tunnel. And it's just been exciting for the last 18 months. Yeah. I love that. And that, that there's so much parallel I can see. And we, we have a lot in common where we also have no life day. I love that term. It's, it's building, man. We're building. The term we building. love. Absolutely. And so was that the deal that you guys took? It was 18 months timeline? Or was that another one? Yeah, no. So we, we've done, and I, I can let Jeff speak on these as well. Um, so we've, we've done, we'll have five. We've, you know, we've already kicked off uh, three of the which are, are basically, one is very close to being 100% stabilized. The other two are done. Uh, one was an 18 month timeline. We got that done in the first year and that was done with, you know, that was the, the first deal we kicked off and that was kind of more of the initial starter. So we didn't have everything fully built out at that point. So a 10 unit took us about a year. So now we just did an 11 unit Queen Anne. That's a kind of our thing is we target a plus locations, C plus properties, and we bring them back to life. And we've really hit this sweet spot with the, uh, with the renter pool we're able to track because we don't, we don't do lipstick on a pig. We do high-end finishes. We get that good quality spec that the renter demands looking for. And then we're at a price point that is less than the new construction and, but right in the affordability range for a higher net worth tech worker that wants a new quality product. So, um, you know, like I said, we had first, first deal took us about a year, year and a half ish, uh, to get fully stabilized. And now we just finished an 11 unit in nine months end to end completely finished 100% stabilized. We just closed on a six unit and just been running this project and we're going to have that done a completely finished end to end all the tenants relocated in four months. 
And so it's just progressively getting faster, better, and we're doing, you know, we're, we're doing more volume and higher unit count. I, w- I was going to add to that. I mean, I think keeping it close to chess is important, remaining vertically integrated, property management in-house, as well as the contractors. You know, it's, it's fate would have it, of course, that uh, the girlfriend's family has the GC that we're working with. But what that allows us to, in, in actuality, is to create GMPs. We have guaranteed pricing, which protects our investors from these overruns that you're seeing, especially in the market of today as, as costs are increasing. You know, if you go half year, you're down your timeline, things may change. Um, for us, we have that guaranteed pricing and they're also able to hit timelines for us. We are their priority. And that's been extremely uh, important and paramount to hitting these numbers. And I was really impressed to hear that story about that 18 month. Uh, I, I believe that was the one you guys did together, right? Like officially together, the first one. Yeah. Okay. So can you, can you just uh, maybe expand on like what the value was of the property when you bought it and then what it is today or when you sold? For sure. I was actually, so we were, we're working on a, uh, a capital raise right now. And I was talking to one of the investors cause he's going to jump in. He's actually in that, that first deal. Um, so it's in Queen Anne, it's, you know, top five sub market, maybe top three sub market in the greater Seattle area. Um, the deal was on the market. So a couple of our projects have been on market that just probably came out a tad bit too high. And so they, they kind of missed the mark with hitting the market. And then as we all know, interest rates have been crazy over the last 12 months. It's so volatile that then interest rates started going up and it made it so a deal went stale. So this deal was on the market for 2.75 million, I believe. And we got it locked up at 2.4. Um, and we bought this back in December. We were kind of going back and forth with the uh, with the sellers for a while. And then we, we got it under contract. We closed December 1st of last year. And we, we, so we closed at uh, two four. We uh, are tired. And so while we do our uh, inspections during the property, we walk it with our contractor, like Jeff said, and we get a guaranteed max price. So we've came out at all of our projects so far. We've had no cost overruns, every single construction to the penny. And so it was a $440,000 full rehab for exterior, interiors, parking lot, full paint. So everything and then redo the laundry room. So it, Depending on the building, we'll either put washer dryers in units, but if the units aren't going to support that, then we just do a fully refreshed, no coin op so that the tenants don't, you know, that's kind of dated. So tenants really like that. We just bake it into the rent. And so this property, every single unit's beating its pro forma rents. Um, we, we bought it in December. We just finished at the end of this month. We'll have all of the units fully renovated, renting at or above pro forma and the entire project completely finished. All of the tenants have an average credit score of 700 or better. And uh, I think now with kind of, we've looked at it, we've done a hypothetical and we're running this at a five and a half cap and historically when in a good market, uh, Queen Anne's like four in, in the fours. And so on a pretty conservative valuation, we're at 3.8 million. So that's a million dollars in nine months of value in this property alone. And we have good debt on it. We have 4.75% money on five years. And so now we hold the cards. We get to kind of either choose for a refi event or, uh, or, or an exit sale in the next, you know, four to five years. It's very evident that you guys have had a lot of success with this, uh, what you called sweet spot before we started recording. You said you guys have this sweet spot in terms of your investment criteria. And as a result of that, you've been able to scale relatively quickly. I wanted to know, was it hard to scale so fast? Um, well, I guess relatively fast because how, That'll probably be the part where you answer, but uh, yeah, was it hard to scale this this at this pace? And 
what were some challenges that you encountered as you scaled? I, you know, I think the scaling was really natural. And I think that's important thing here is, is natural scaling. Set yourself up so that you can achieve. If we're double the size tomorrow, you always want to be kind of in that, in that sweet spot, but it's scaling naturally. It's not trying to take down anything that's kind of above uh, your abilities. And you'll notice, like, if you look at our project track record right now, you know, it's 15, 15, uh, 11, 10, and six. I mean, these sizes all have a pattern and they're well thought out. Um, so if you kind of just follow this track record and, and follow the process of acquiring something in that size, um, you're not going to have an issue with your operations. You're going to scale successfully. Um, our contractors are going to be used to that size of project. Um, we're going to be used to that kind of workload. As we said, we do the property management. So we're in there actually working with the tenants one-on-one, uh, -on -one, getting them out. And we're closing a project, you know, every quarter, every other quarter now. And it's been a really great rhythm for us. And it's, uh, you know, it's something we're kind of ready now to start hiring out a team. We've got our intern now. Um, and we've actually started kind of our thoughts are kind of on that next tier of, okay, what does a 30 look like? What does a 40 look like? And then by the time we get there, we know that, oh, this is a very comfortable cadence for us as we're going through. And I think one other big piece is, you know, we, we haven't spared any expense on, on kind of all the internal software. So we have Appfolio, which is arguably the best property management and investor portal software. Um, we have CRE models, which is, a, you know, high-end institutional uh, underwriting software. Um, you know, all the stuff that we're putting back into our templates for just letters to tenants, everything that's gone from the entire, like we said, we haven't taken a distribution yet. So we've had equity and, and money in the, in the business account, but we haven't taken anything personally from the business because we're reinvesting everything back. And it just has made things so much easier for us as we're, we're growing to have that kind of high level of service. That's the thing that we're, we don't spare any expense on is and that's our kind of our motto is is high-end quality service not only just to our tenants to ourselves to our investors our clients just across the board we just do everything the right way yeah and to, to pivot on the technology element there you know really the whole company is connected via technology it's it's our investor management portal which communicates uh straight over to our property management portal so everything is kind of in sync which makes it a lot easier for us um, in the background as well and lastly, we're, we're even putting tech packages into our units. So we'll do USB uh, sockets. We're doing smart locks to unlock your unit with on your phone. Like these are all things that we're starting to, to understand and, and understand that it's a want from the tenants. Like everyone wants to be at the cutting edge of, of the market. And so we, we like to be part of that. And it's, it's make things, it makes things easier when you go to release or do ten, you know, tenant updates or talk to investors. They're like, oh, well, I already know what's going on with the deal. We, we do a monthly report every month, like clockwork by the 15th. So everyone's in the know of what's going on in Nordic Partners. One thing that I've noticed is you guys have leveraged the experience that you guys have gotten in other arenas in, in the past. So uh, brokerage or the property management or uh, being in business. And you've been able to apply that to your business today. Jeff, you, you said that you guys are in charge of your property management. You do it yourselves. And Kevin, I believe you work or worked in property management. Uh, so I was wondering, what are some of the top lessons that you've learned in that arena that have really enabled you to do such a good job on property management in your own assets? Uh, I'm happy to kick that off uh, just because I've done property management for 13 years. And um, I think the biggest thing, and it's not just in business, it's just everything in life is communication. Over communicate, make sure everyone's in the know. Um, and that works well in your personal relationships and your business relationships. So 
with the thing that people always are asking us and you know it's a it's a tough it's not a tough question for us to answer anymore but um is the tenant landlord laws here in seattle um they're not the strict the most strict in the nation but you know they're not easy to navigate and we found a um a really good way to to navigate that and that's by communicating we do zoom calls with all of our tenants as soon as we take over a property we actually do a, a tenant welcome package with uh, some nordic branded items we have scented candles we have it's an inviting way to start out a relationship when you acquire a property because no one likes change i don't like change i wouldn't want to notice just put on my door saying hey you got to move out or here's your couple options take it or leave it instead we have a, an approach where we're able to deliver that message to tenants and work with them with, with their kind of make it you know less burdensome on them to make the process a lot easier most of which i think jeff we're at about 35 or 40 percent of tenants relocating within the building to a new unit. So that one makes our leasing easier. It gets us at our rental market. Uh, and then we're also able to do another unit shortly after. So it helps our construction. And it's all because we're communicating with the tenants. So we've had multiple Zoom calls with tenants. We work through these processes and we've actually reached out to some of the folks at the city to talk to them and what they said was worked best. And it's been our strategy and we've in, in, you know encompassed all of that into what we're doing. And so now, like, that's just probably the biggest thing that we're offering is, you know, we're, we're very hands on with what we do on the management. I think that's why the, the, the uh, capital raising in our investor pool is growing so quickly is because now people are like, oh, well, the Nordic guys are actually the ones that are managing these properties. It's not out to ABC Real Estate who, you know, not everybody's going to want to have, you know, managing their, uh, their investment portfolio. Yeah, a good example there is on our most recent project, which is our, our smallest one. You know, I've personally met with every tenant in there. Um, and just the other week, actually, it was out at coffee with one of the tenants and, and she was expressing interest in investing in one of our other projects. <laughs> um, and and under, the, under that same breath there, just previous was talking about her relocation. But because I came to her and said, hey, what can I do for you? We have a, another apartment opening up or another unit opening up. I mean, would you like to stay here? Or what does your family plan look like? Or did you see yourself moving? She said, hey, I, I love the building. I've been here 13 years. I said, great. Let's keep you here. So how about if we move you down, we'll renovate your unit and then move you back into it and loves the idea. And she's going to go back in there at, at kind of a standard market rate lease. And and now that's that's a happy uh, part of your community and she'll vouch for us any day of the week. And, and we just kind of do that across the board. It's really saying, hey, how can we fit with your life? This is an inconvenience for everyone. Uh, we hate to be the ones knocking on the doors, but what can we do for you? Um, and, you know, part of that is offering some relocation assistance financially. I mean, you know, that's that's also part of it. So. Um, but it's, yeah, it's working. I'd say it's that communication, like Kev said, working just very closely with the tenants. I mean, building an actual community that respects you and respects uh, each other. Yeah. I know a lot of operators choose to vertically integrate that property management uh, aspect of the business and others choose to outsource that to a third party in general. It's typically done later on, but you guys have done that at the beginning of your business and really early on. Um, can you maybe expand on your decision to do that? Why choose to do that at the beginning? And what are the benefits of that in the long run? I think that's because me and Jeff and everyone involved with Nordic Partners, we're control freaks. Uh, we want to make sure that everything's run the right way. I mean, I don't uh, want to toot my own horn, but you know, I think that we've worked really hard in our, in our space to become you know, the best in the operations that is out there. And so for us to kind of give that away just doesn't make sense as we grow. I think you know, there's something that we want to offer to our clients, and that's uh, the trust and reassurance that they have someone out there that's really putting the hands-on care. 
I mean, we're invested in these deals as well, right? So not only is their investor money at stake, ours is as well. We just have to make sure it's done right. And so that's the biggest thing for us is we were like, there's just no substitute at this point of our careers of going out to third party. As we grow and scale and get into uh, into other submarkets and states, I think we'll still have some sort of asset management component where we're still overseeing the deals. But, you know, as you grow and scale, that that can change. But as, as long as it's here locally in Seattle, it'll be done by Nordic Partners. And that's a fact. And I think we really see it as our fiduciary duty to the investors. I mean, imagine if you're an investor and you give somebody who's, who's giving you this beautiful business plan and pitch, hey, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to take this asset, mold it into this. And then to learn that they just hand off that operational back end to somebody else. I mean, I, I, it wouldn't be a good feeling. So that's we, we owe that to our investors, really. It's like we are hands on every step of the way. We leave nothing to chance. We've we've heard too many horror stories. And, uh, you know, I know that with the city of Seattle, it's, it's it can be difficult to to do these reposition programs. I mean, I know I've know some certain instances where where the projects did not go smoothly. And I think that's because those projects were not done hands on. I think the biggest thing, if you're ever in a more tenant friendly um, kind of state, um, is you have to be hands on. And there, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's it's OK to do it the right way. It's OK to make sure that the tenants aren't, you know, just ran out immediately and, you know, they have to find things out. We want to be known as the guys that, hey, you know, I worked with the Nordic guys. Yeah, they repositioned the property, but they made it easy. Or, hey, I didn't qualify. I'm lower income. This rental rate is too much for me to take and handle. Oh, well, they actually compensated us the full amount for the three times the rental amount. And I was able to relocate without having to go tap into some savings or, you know, talk to someone that might have to help me out. Like, we don't want to be known as those guys. We just want to be known as the guys that do everything the right way. Yeah, you guys have referenced multiple times the challenges of working in what is considered a notoriously non-landlord friendly city. And I know there's this conception that you should stay away from blue northern state uh, cities and states, particularly Seattle, among others like New York, or um, I know California is often listed among that group of, of markets to stay away from. So I have, my question is kind of twofold, but one, uh, what are some of your, how, what do you, how do you respond to those objections? I'm sure you get from investors that say, oh, I, I will, I'll never invest in a state like that or a city like that. And you also mentioned that it was obviously difficult to evict in that, in that city. So you employ this really creative cash for keys system that I you, we've spoken about in the past. So can you maybe also expand on that system and how it helps you circumvent the inefficiencies in the eviction system? Absolutely. I'll let Jeff talk to the cash for keys because he's always the one boiling up the numbers on that. But I'll talk about when we're having objections with uh, with investors or any type of client that's working with us. And and it's look at our look at our renter pool. I mean, I'll tell you right now, we got not only, I mean, everyone's going to know these Nordstrom, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Starbucks, I mean, Boeing. I mean, the employer pool in this, in Seattle is second to none. I mean, I don't know. There's maybe New York and San Francisco that might be better, arguably top three. Look at our, look, I mean, I, we see it, our, we have the own data ourselves. 700 credit scores, basically our average for the tenants that are here. I have zero delinquency and I'm 100% hundred percent least. So the, once you get stabilized in this market, your renter pool is second to none. And that's something that we are, I mean, it makes our, our properties are, are borderline self-sufficient once we're, once we're stabilized. 
And so for us, you know, the objections are there, but it's like, look at, look at who's renting. And during tougher markets, you know, this is arguably one of the toughest ones I've seen in my career because I didn't actually fully expose to 08 and we're thriving. And I think it's because we're in a thriving job market. But I think, Kev, the thing a lot of people miss is that the coin has two sides. These are two different pools. So when they say it's, you know, it's a tough landlord tenant law in Seattle, I mean, the side is the folks that are living there when you acquire it. But the, the other side is you have incredible tenants. You have incredible job base here. Uh, like Kev said, the Amazon employees. So I think actually in terms of hitting your project plan and your performa, I would rather have a market that has incredibly strong employments. Uh, and we, we are again rated one of the best growing big cities in the country now, Seattle. Uh, Amazon is bringing everyone back to the office and everything is renting extremely quickly. And then on the front side, you know, the other side of the coin is kind of, that's where you see the blue state thing is, how do you work with tenants to kind of do the relocation? And as we mentioned earlier, it is, it is more of a negotiation. It's more of a, a humanly interaction of what can we do for you? It's, I think the term cash for keys is not really how we approach it. We're not walking up to them saying, hey, uh, I want to get you out next week. Can I pay you a thousand to do that? It's not at all the conversation. The conversation is, how is your life looking? Were you planning on moving in the next year or anything to that effect? Do you like this location? Do you want a renovated unit? There's so many paths, so many question paths before you get to, okay, well, here's the deal. We need to move you out and here's $1,500 to do it. I mean, that's really, we haven't experienced that as, as being kind of, we've, we've never had to really go up against that backstop just in a couple of cases. And um, in those cases, I mean, you, you've got to think folks are renting these uh, assets for far under market value. So if you approach them with a certain amount of money, they're more than more than likely to want to take that in either regard. But in most cases, um, you can better serve them without just having a bullish approach. And and as I look out from the other side of this camera angle, you know, uh, Capitol Hill, East Lake, I can see Bellevue. Those three submarkets alone, your average rent for a one bed is about two grand. Your average rent for your two bed is about twenty six, twenty seven hundred. I mean, the the cash flows, because yeah, we understand pricing can be high in Seattle, but your unit your unit rents are are you know trailing right along with it. So you get good quality, and then you know, if we have uh uh requirements for our tenants, which is three and a half times your rental amount. So to even rent from one of the properties once you're stabilized, you have to be making eighty to hundred grand a year combined household income. So you have you know, some folks that have some some firepower to weather some difficult job markets or recessions. So that's another big thing. Like we had a tenant rent from us that had, you know, that we've said this isn't this the first time we've had two tenants now so far that have considered investing with us. One had a balance sheet of like two to three hundred grand in their savings account. And we were just, you know, it's it's an amazing thing when you actually get to see the, the tenants balance sheets that are rent, uh, applying for these units and that are renting from us. It's pretty significant. You guys have shared such a refreshing perspective, and it's I was going to say the numbers and your track record speak for themselves uh, regarding like where you invest and the success that is possible there. And I think there's also something to say, and you've already said this, but I want to emphasize that you guys are serving a, demogra- a really strong demographic of renters and residents. A lot of times when people say like there's eviction issues, it's because they're, they're serving a lower income demographic, which are going to be more troublesome, I think, uh, in, in the eviction process in general. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, we do when you inherit a property, you also, you know, you get some we, we've had a property that we purchased and we had a um, a tenant that was already delinquent. 
So we had to go through that process. And instead, you know, we found the better route. We went with a non-eviction route. We went and we had to, you know, chew off a little bit of a, of a write-off um, uh, through that process. But we were able to relocate the tenant to another unit, give them a fresh start. It feels better than going through the process and having to deal with a collection company. We also had a couple tenants in there, you know, one that could, uh, you know, she was an immigrant. She did, the English was a little bit of a barrier and we had to go work through her, her daughter. She was a tenant for 17 years. We personally went and found her a relocation for a place for a unit that was able to, that was, you know, served her income uh, requirements and to help her out. We also helped another tenant out that had substance abuse problems, find herself into another unit where, you know, she could get a fresh start as well. We don't want to be on the front news of the of the paper for for doing things the wrong way or running tenants out. Like we want to be known as in we have a, you know, a good a good amount of tenant reviews from folks that want to re-rent from us again. You know that that want to come back and 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 work with the Nordic team. It's actually happened. We've had tenants relocate from one of our uh, properties and move into another in a different sub uh, submarket. So that's just always been the the strategy and I don't know. It's just, it's continues to work. You know, I think Kev, maybe the most difficult situation we had was, you know, we had, we, we did have a tenant and she had a child that was maybe 17 living with her and they were already delinquent when we bought the property. And it's like, how do you handle that situation? You know, that they can't afford it. So for her, it's, Hey, we're, we're here to help you. We're not going to pursue anything against you, but let us give you a review and give you some cash to have a down payment on another spot that you can't, that is more affordable. And let's help help get you past this difficult stage in your life. And for her, it was a very open discussion. She moved on very respectfully and and everyone came away very happy from that. So you can see the contrast between that method and this cash for keys where I walk up or maybe I'm even a third party property management company. And I walk up on day one and I, I slap a notice on there that says, hey, welcome. We're the new the new people in town and uh, we'd like you to move on this date. Here's here's three thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, that, you know, it's it, there's a big contrast. Absolutely. That, those examples just reflect the way that you guys are really contrarian investors. And, and obviously that approach to investing for you guys has served you in many ways. My, the other way, another thing is obviously you guys are on the younger side of the, the business. My brothers and I can relate to that as well. We're pretty young relative to other people in this industry and we're, we're big on habits. Um, and so I know a lot of people our age maybe don't have the, the strongest habits. And so I'm just curious, like what are some habits that you guys have maybe found to be very helpful in your business and or personal lives that have helped contribute to, to where you are. Man, we, we love that you touch on this. I think it's like kind of our, our foundation is atomic habits. Like this is not just a business partnership. It's a life partnership. We're calling each other constantly throughout the day, talking about, hey, I just got a great workout in, uh, making it a point to be productive during at some point during every day, seven days a week. It's that constant progress forward, having the habit having the discipline to continue operating this thing every single day and living every part of your life kind of to that standard, whether it's education or exercise or relationships or anything. And I know Kev, you've got a lot to add as well. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, we've done 75 hard multiple times over the last 18 months. We, you know, tip our cap to Andy Frisella. Um, you know, we've done, I've done half marathons uh, when I never thought I could ever run. Uh, cause that was a tip to the captain, David Goggins, you know, just getting out there hustling and grinding, you know, it's, it is those small habits that 1% per day over time, the constant progress forward that does results. Cause not only are we focused on just building out a good business, we want to build out a good lifestyle. So the things that you do outside the, the office definitely reflect inside. And then, so we just, we just have that just completely 
overlapped on everything that we're doing. And, you know, I've got this silly poster in the background, but this really is uh, referencing Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> and it's really more of a reference to continuing education, you know, four quadrants, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just staying involved in education, staying involved in the news cycles and, and building these atomic habits. Absolutely. Discipline is something we found will permeate every arena of your life and it should, or else like the lack of it will also permeate into your business if you have it in like your health or your eating habits or everything. I mean, it really is all or nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, we could go into it. I mean, we're doing cold plunges. I got my, my lunch here. You know, we cook at home, you know, we meal prep, we, we, we go run, we work out once or twice a day. Um, you know, we're not big party guys. You know, we, we, we pretty much it's, it's, it's not the work hard, play hard mentality anymore. It's, Winning is more fun than fun is fun, you know, but we still like to have a good time. You know, we were out on the golf course with our contractors yesterday and, and our intern, you know, we're, we're about doing business and doing it the right way. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, something that we can always talk about is just do the next right thing and things work out. So, you know, everything that we're doing is we're just always conscious. If it's not on our personal health, it's also just for the health of the business. Now I want to look to the future. Real estate is often heralded as this long-term game. And so Two questions. One, what is your long-term vision for your business? Are you guys aiming to be the next Blackstone or bigger? Um, and also, I know that you guys in the past have said you're, you're not taking any of the profits from your business, you're reinvesting it. So I wanted to know, how long do you anticipate that it'll take for you to uh, reach your financial goals in real estate and reap the benefits of your labor that from these real estate investments you're involved in today? For me, you know, this this is we're starting to build out the Monopoly board. And so, you know, we don't have Park Place and Boardwalk yet. So that's going to that's going to continue to to, you know, be something that we're striving for. Right. We want to we want to scale. We want to get into the larger unit count. We want to get, um, you know, nationwide or, you know, specific submarkets and states. Um, so that's why we've constantly, you know, um, you know, we're, we're progressing everything uh, within the best business practices. Then we're also. Um, you know, we're, we're reinvesting our money back into our deals. So, you know, I don't know if we'll ever be, um, you know, content with where the size of the business is because it keeps us hungry every day, but we're, uh, we're always going to be, you know, just making sure that we're hitting base hits. I think that's something that we've always talked about. We want to be, we don't want to just go out and do deals to do deals. We want to do deals that win. So we would rather hit some singles, doubles, triples before always going with home runs and striking out. Striking out's not an option for us. You know, we're, we're always going to do good quality deals. Like for instance, we did do a smaller unit count project. Well, that's because we got it sent to a soft market and the numbers were too good. We've already seen with how, how well that project's going to run. You know, if it's something that's a winning deal, we'll look at it. And then, you know, Jeff always talked about this as being one inch wide and a thousand feet deep. We are syndicating multifamily uh, or, you know, we're multifamily value add syndicators. End of story. We don't, we're not going to try and get cute and go step into multiple different types of to uh, verticals within the real estate. Like we're going to know what we do best and we're going to do it great. And so as long as we keep doing that, I could see this thing being into, you know, a, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on just turning Nordic into the Nordic group, you know, Nordic Capital Group, Nordic Partners Investments, everything that we're going to continue to build and it's going to be strong. So um, the one thing I'll finish with on that is, you know, the thing that you can expect from our group is just it's going to be high quality service and done the right way. Yeah, I think well said. And, and you asked about the personal finance side. And I, I don't think that's something we worry about as much. Um, you know, we want to scale a business. We want to do well by our investors. And that process will do just fine ourselves.
Uh, we have a love for real estate. We're doing what we love. This isn't work. You know, we, we do 80 hour weeks and it's a labor of love. And, and with that 10 years down the, down the road or as this thing scales, I mean, we'll be financially rewarded and, and um, you know, it's just, we just have to do well by our investors and continue to cook along with an excellent strategy. That's really our main focus. So they can go directly to our website. It's uh, Nordic INV, which is short for invest.com. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, our investors, any of our clients, you can reach out to us basically 24 seven. We do live and breathe this business. So I can be reached at 425-328-8998 or Kevin at nordicinv.com. We're also all over LinkedIn. Uh, so Jeff Darris is my LinkedIn handle, and that's probably the best spot to, to reach me. And we're always direct by cell, you know, 425-829-0101.